0: adventurers my name is Roy I'm the intrepid DM and this is the intrepid DM journeys this is chapter six of our adventure and tonight's guest is Rebecca Chillin. Rebecca is a twitch streamer on Bexy Chillin, and also the creator of Frostmark the RPG which is a variant system of D&D fifth edition Frostmark is currently on kickstarter and as a backer myself I can honestly say this looks to be an exciting change and full of flavor so without any further introduction rebecca how are you doing this evening
1: i am doing great i'm actually very excited to sit down and and talk to you this is what my fourth interview now uh it's still a little bit like nervous that somebody wants to interview me of all people but so exciting
0: (laughs) well i'm super pumped and excited that you're here you're my first female guest (laughs) Which to me is great I I want to hear stories from all GMs across the board And the fact that you're also a Twitch streamer And hopefully soon to be a published tabletop RPG creator You know, I couldn't ask for a better guest today So thank you (laughs) Let's, Let's just dig right into this So every guest I have on The whole premise of the show is to Learn about GMs, uh, DMs and storytellers. I have to remember storytellers because we've been talking uh, last week. We spoke to a world of darkness. Yeah, they say
1: storyteller. Uh, Yeah.
0: So how long have you been playing and running tabletop role playing games?
1: I've been playing for more than ten years now. I'm twenty-six. Started when I was sixteen. I um did a heck of a journey through my role-playing career, you could say. Started out really shy, really awkward. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of growing to do. Um but so I didn't start GMing that early actually i feel like it's maybe just five years ago or something like that and it was a bit on and off but when i started coming up with this idea of a new setting that i wanted to uh, gm for my for my friends it's i've had the gm curse ever since then so i just mm-hmm. had to learn and i really enjoy it
0: yeah what was your first experience with tabletop role-playing games and how did it shape your your future endeavors. Obviously, you're in love with it now. Mm -hmm. But uh, you said you started out as a player. What was your how did your first experience with tabletop role playing games go?
1: Well, um, I did read a lot of fantasy books. When mm. I was little I consumed them <laughs> in an alarming Rate but I wasn't really Prepared at that point When I was a teenager to embrace Nerddom because I was afraid that people would Make fun of me right mm-hmm. but I, I switched schools went to high school And I came upon this group Of people who invited me to their game and it happened to be Pathfinder And I'm like am I really going To go down this route But when I sat down at the table And I took over as the NPC rogue uh, guest NPC. And the first role I do in the whole game is that I sneak attack, crit a minotaur in the back for like 50 damage. Oh, <laughs> That's how I started my career. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I didn't do that much role-playing back then because I, I was shy and nervous about yeah. it. I didn't have that much self-confidence. But I, I noticed the boost that I mm-hmm. got from feeling heroic in the game and how that can teach me how to feel heroic out of game as well. Yes. So yes and i uh there, there was this friend a male friend who was super kind and took me aside and said like do you want to do a one-on-one campaign with me and just take it easy in groups <laughs> of false systems It's <laughs> actually kind of my first system because i really took a deep dive into that one um okay and i went from this lonely wizard's apprentice with dead parents of course yep. <laughs> you be no a little backstory Besides that, uh, to becoming a literal god <laughs> after a year of role-playing. And and I, I just couldn't go back after that. It, it was a, a feeling that I'd never experienced in my whole life. And I noticed that it changed me. I noticed how through role-play I could uh practice and become better at expressing myself uh learning self confidence and cooperation empathy teamwork there's so many things that rpgs can can teach us and creativity uh, yeah. as well so it just has such a positive impact
0: did your uh, math skills get any better <laughs>
1: <laughs> I already took care of that by playing piano. Oh my God, okay. my math changed after I started playing piano. But um, now, I, definitely, I would say in like Swedish and English class, just expressing myself and, mm. and also feeling more uh, confident and comfortable with who I am as a person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, every DM and GM and storyteller has had the same, um, well, I shouldn't say the same, they've had similar stories. About being, you know, the nerdy kid in the background and yeah. slowly blossoming into the popular or the more uh, self-confident or, you know, it's it's great hearing these stories because it's like when we promote this stuff to new players out there, people who are, um, for lack of a better term, you know, her- hermits. <laughs> It's awesome to watch people blossom out of those shells. Oh,
1: absolutely. It's therapy in, in a in it, a weird it way. It is.
0: It is. Uh, it's It does wonders for mental health as well. Um, I wish they would actively do more studies on the benefits. Oh,
1: yeah, for sure. I, I would want there to be, like, role-playing games to be encouraged through the school system because... Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there's something magical when you can inhabit somebody else and then act out all your, uh, your desires. And if you, there's something you're nervous about it's like taking a step back from yourself and doing these things that you're always afraid of or want to do, but it's somebody else. And then mm. suddenly you have more self-confidence to do that. And after you've done it, you say to yourself, but that wasn't so hard or that wasn't exactly. so scary.
0: So you told me that you have read a lot of fantasy novels. Yes. So where does most of your inspiration for the Frostmark series come from? Like, Do, do you draw all of your inspiration from one particular author that's inspired you? Or is it just across all genres? It's
1: it's pretty much an amalgamation of certain things uh that i've really enjoyed uh not only through um, the fantasy novels but also through the systems that mm. i've experienced i i was cursed and blessed by a group who couldn't uh stay consistent <laughs> so we we had this role-playing fad for the week where we got yeah. super excited about a new system or a new idea and somebody wanted to do to gm and we created characters play one to perhaps five sessions and so they would then play it again <laughs> <laughs> so i had the pleasure of like checking out the lore and the system of like 20 different systems um so i i would definitely say when it comes to Frostmark, there's certainly a little bit of witcher certainly a little bit of game of thrones uh certainly a little bit of uh warhammer in there mm. but i i do believe that the the base of it is unique even though i have some uh, some flavors in there from from my past.
0: Okay, okay. Outside of the Frostmark system, out mm-hmm. of all the RPGs that you have played, what is your favorite system that you personally have ran or that you felt was probably the most developed for your, your personality and play style? Oh, wow.
1: Um... I I like systems for different reasons and I wish they were like almost better. I, I I would say that when it comes to the, the Warhammer universe, I do enjoy the system. I think it's, it's a really solid sci-fi, but I am not so hot on the, the lore of it. It's a little bit like, uh, um, I should say a boy's hot dream. (laughs) Only boys allowed in that club, uh, (laughs) in the grim, dark future. Um, And I also, I really like the Exalted series for the lore. There's so much lore in those games. And I actually think I got inspired by reading exalted on the yeah there you go i i got inspired by exalted when it comes to their their detail in their setting and i tried to bring that with i'm only one person writing Mm -hmm. this but i tried to bring some of that attention to detail but i did not enjoy the system too much in in exalted i i think actually what married the two worlds for me kind of funny is pokemon tabletop united (laughs) it's also fan created and has a really vibrant community online and they're doing updates all the time but i I Mm -hmm. really think that the system works really well for pokemon and uh, the fact that they have different settings so you can play medieval or cyberpunk or the the modern pokemon standard and there's so much role-playing uh, to, to be had and the twists you can do with Pokemon and go more lighthearted or more gritty and explore those uh, parts of it so I actually played a two year campaign in Pokemon mm-hmm. and it was, it was the best ever
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know and w- we actually kind of have a funny story about that because like while we were setting up this interview mm-hmm. I had accident I had a person asking me a question about the Pokemon RPG and I had meant to type to them, and I typed it to you about the starters. They <laughs> yeah, were, as, they were like, "I want, I want different kinds of starters than what they've they've had yeah. for my players." And it, uh, I just remember seeing the little blip, uh, and you being like, uh, "Was that meant for me?" And I'm like, "Nope, nope, <laughs> that was someone else. I didn't realize I sent that to you." Oh, um,
1: oh lovely.
0: <laughs> so it's it's funny that you brought up the Pokemon tabletop role playing game because of that just weird coincidence.
1: <laughs> True.
0: What is the longest campaign that you've continuously ran?
1: Um actually this uh it's happening right now i haven't had that much luck with having groups that stay together because i started gming when my group started to turn into adulthood and you know they went off to different universities and they developed new hobbies and people got got jobs and um and um i also started my my twitch channel and try to run some playtests, but strangers on the internet can can be hard. So it's actually happening right now. We're up to episode uh, thirty nine in nice. in a campaign that I'm running right now. But what I, the longest I've been in was that Pokemon Tabletop United game for two years.
0: <laughs> Here, here's one question that a lot of DMs it really makes them think. And draw back on their previous um, experiences, but why do you personally DM? What mm. makes it worth it to you?
1: Hmm. I think I think it has a two pronged approach here. Uh, one is that I really enjoy engrossing myself into other worlds and making them feel immersive. And alive, and I, I can get that feeling sometimes when I read a fantasy book, or I play a video game, or I watch a series, and I just notice the love and the passion, and of like, oh my god, uh, this just just taking me on a journey. I don't feel like I'm here in my own body. I feel like I'm somewhere else, and I I want to be uh, not only experience that, but also deliver that to other people as well, mm. so they can enjoy it as well. And, and number two, I also want to give back to my own personal journey that, you know, still continues on. I, I still think that uh, what I talked about earlier of just how many positive impacts role-playing games have on you. And I, I want to make sure uh, that other people can can go through that same, same journey. And I also think that GMing is another step in, in that journey as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: So it's kind of like a... Journey of self improvement.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And just I would a
0: continuing self improvement. I like yeah. that. Yeah.
1: And, um, and fucking around in a fantasy <laughs> world somewhere whilst doing that. Best kind of therapy.
0: I always say that it, I've been DMing for 25 years th- or almost 26 now because I'm coming Damn. up on my 36th birthday.
1: Congratulations. I'm
0: starting to feel old. <laughs> <laughs> uh but since i've been doing it for so long you know it's weird because as i talk to new dms Mm -hmm. they always bring up points that i never even thought of you know i thought oh "Oh, i've been getting better over the years and players that i've played with they're always happy to play and they always tell me how much of a good time they have you know and um sometimes you get that imposter syndrome where you're like, oh, they're mm. just being nice, you know? Mm-hmm,
1: but true.
0: as you talk to people, you learn that these are the things that make games better. And you build on those and you still continuously learn. It's like, yeah. it's weird. It, Never it, ends. It, yeah. So one question I always mm-hmm. ask DMs only one gonna, question <laughs> this particular question is going to be in every single episode
1: oh okay okay
0: um and i've gotten different answers every time so dice do they have a uh-huh. mind of their own or is it just pieces of plastic <laughs>
1: um you know when it comes to tarot cards and uh, star signs and stuff like that. I can enjoy them for what they are and like believe for a second, but ultimately I am very much uh, an atheist. <laughs> so it's just random chance, but it's fun to apply these magical worlds to to these things. Mm-hmm. So, I no think.
0: dice shaman for you then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, do you say since I have an international community, I mostly roll digital dice anyway? So
0: so we're going to move on to tabletop role-playing great Uh, wow i can't talk tabletop role-playing games are great and why (laughs) okay um i mean you've already told me so much about you know
1: how awesome they are i'm sorry
0: but have they actively changed your life personally outside of just making you more uh personable to people and self-confident have they I've had people tell me, you know, it has saved their mental health or anything like that. Have they done something to impact your life in a significant fashion?
1: I mean, oh, for sure. Uh, It's like upgrading your passive stats. On your <laughs> character sheets, right? <laughs> I, I can't tell for certain if it ever had a direct, but it definitely had a passive effect mm. on everything I've been doing. But I think the most important thing is that it changed how I feel about myself, and I, I feel way more happy and and comfortable with, as I said earlier, who I am as a person. But I, you know, I had my share of uh, mental trauma when I was little. I grew up with an abusive mother. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, role-playing games definitely helped me just accept that fact and just go on, and and heal from from that from that fact. So, yeah, you know, just self-confidence, how I express myself, how I feel about myself.
0: Yeah, I'm just good. I'm so glad that you found tabletop role-playing games and they've impacted you like that. That's me too. You know, it's it's amazing to see that, and I'm glad it had that last mm, mm. wow i am having a lot of trouble talking
1: <laughs> it's it's uh, morning for you it's okay
0: uh-huh
1: it's morning for you right oh
0: well yeah. have you it's, had coffee yet
1: uh no i got up
0: i went to work for a little bit and then i uh, came home got on here
1: blame it on the coffee <laughs>
0: yeah so um i completely forgot where i was <laughs>
1: You said how how glad you were that I yes. found a role playing games,
0: uh, and I am. I'm I'm always happy when people tell me that they've significantly been impacted by it because yeah, it it shows how much love there is in this community. And I know every community has their toxic portions. Mm. Um, and you had briefly talked about that with random strangers, whether it was toxic or not, I'm not sure, but you know, uh, the downside to online gaming is sometimes you get those people who are just there to watch the world burn.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I have... Happily, I haven't really run into <clears throat> that many of them, but it certainly has been a commitment issue. I've had several people ghost me <laughs> mm-hmm. for no reason or that we just don't click in roleplay. And I don't consider the toxicity is just finding out after a while, but I found ways around it now. Of, of how to deal with it now i always run mini adventures with people i've never met before so I'd ex- mm-hmm. i can experience them in role-playing games before i invite them to a long-running campaign
0: definitely definitely you'll have to remind me after the session i'm a part of a group called the uh, tavern on facebook and it's people mm-hmm. from all walks of life and it's just mm-hmm. a tabletop role-playing game community oh sounds great. Uh, I, ha- I have met most of my players there and you know, a lot of people oh. on there they their understanding of the time commitments and stuff. So uh, okay, afterwards, I'll, I will shoot you a link to that if you would like I would to love see to join it. So. Thank you. So, player interactions.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You have said that you're you've started playing online more often. Do you find that it's harder to get your players immersed in the game via just over the screen than in person? Or have you been able to overcome that?
1: I I think that there's pros and cons to being in person and being on the internet. I think that you need a little bit more preparation uh, when you plan for the internet. Because when you sit down with a group of friends, you can act out everything that is happening. You have eye-line contacts. They cannot be looking at Imgur or Reddit, whatever, on hmm. their phone because you can tell them, stop it. <laughs> Focus on me. Um, and uh, there is this pure engagement that, that you get just from sitting face to face. But on the other hand, um, through the use of uh, digital platforms, uh, it's so much easier to build immersive soundscapes and have pictures. And uh, there's a lot of math that the, the digital platform can do for you. And then ha- not having everything in paper form, everything, you know, digitally searching for stuff there's some things that become easier over the internet so i i think that you need to change a little bit of how you gm but i definitely think that you can achieve the same kind of engagement a bonus points if you use camera because then we're mm. almost there in the room together yeah. it's just a little bit of lag between us uh but yeah if you just uh do a little bit more work over the internet i, I still think you can get to those that same magical feeling that you can get face to face
0: so all right when uh, when running for newer players online do you prefer them to use the digital dice or are you oh how how do i phrase this do you have a easier time believing them if you've gamed with them a few times of that letting them roll their own dice uh you know off camera um i guess it, it in scape are you are you able to trust people easily with their own rolling
1: i never run into that problem since I'm streaming all my games and mm-hmm. so uh, my stream always wants to see but people roll so okay. I I will always say you know roll for for the people watching uh, but if if I wouldn't be streaming uh, I would trust people I, I have the personal uh, philosophy that I will trust you and give you respect until you disrespect or mistrust me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if a player fudged their roles, um, that's actually their loss. Because I believe that there is great storytelling, perhaps greater story- storytelling to be had in failure. Uh, mm. So they're actually ruining their own fun, in my mind, if they fudge <laughs> roles and want to <laughs> succeed over then uh, you know, than failing. So I, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind.
0: So I know how good it feels to have a book in your hands to feel those pages in your fingers and um, playing online kind of you can still do it. But do you feel like the online play has diminished in any way the feel of having those hardback materials in your hands?
1: I feel like I'm a little bit of a millennial here in this conversation (laughs) because already when I started, we had sometimes books and sometimes on the uh, digital uh, resources. Mm -hmm. Um, So it wasn't like I spent years just having that physical touch and then suddenly ever changed to to digital. So I'm kind of used to it. But I I will definitely concede and say that there's a certain... emotional attachment that you can only get with physical objects but i sometimes practically it's definitely easier to do it digitally but i I think the best of the two worlds uh is when you're able to uh purchase something both in pdf format and physically so you can like Mm -hmm. touch it like late in the evening go to your (laughs) like to your bookshelf yes my lovelies and then when you actually play (laughs) exactly And when you actually play, you do the practical and just you control F and find what you need.
0: Mm. I was uh, I was very much of the same thought process. Like originally it was people started putting out the PDFs and it's like, why would I do that when I have the hardback books? But then I started thinking about it and it's like I'm heading to a game 30 minutes away from my home and I'm hauling Mm. two backpacks that each weigh like 30, 40 pounds full of books and miniatures and everything else and i'm like you know what pdfs on a laptop they make more sense now and i i still to this day i like to uh the books that i do have i like to take one off my shelf go up sit on the couch with the kids and i like to just sit there and flip through the pages oh yeah if
1: you just want to read some lore then yeah exactly um
0: I feel like that is a huge benefit of still doing the hardbacks, but Mm -hmm. for um, player use on streams and games, I feel like the, uh, the digital tools are fundamentally better, I guess. They're also easier to find what you're looking for. Instead yeah. of, you know, spending yeah. an extra five minutes flipping through a book, trying to find a particular page and paragraph.
1: Yeah. So. And I also need to think about my soundscape when when I stream. So having papers flipping and book slamming is also not not <laughs> ideal.
0: That is very much true about streams, too. We're going to talk about DM tips and mm-hmm. the dm tips this time is actually we're going to talk about frostmark the rpg the rpg Ooh. that you have created um i've got a variety of questions for you and i hope that All you right. can better explain it for those listening that you know maybe we can get some people to head over to the kickstarter uh what is the kickstarter's how do how can they find it
1: just search Frostmark.
0: <laughs> That's it.
1: Kickstarter, there you go. It's called Frostmark the, the RPG. And they okay. will be able to find it. Uh, you can also, of course, join my Discord, and, or otherwise you show up in one of my streams, and I will definitely mm-hmm. link it to you.
0: Okay. And uh, if you're looking for those links after the, after the show, you should be able to find those down in the information section under the... The title and everything. So, take take a good look at what Rebecca has done. It is, like I said, a plus material. I am in. So Fair
1: warning, though, for anybody who clicks on that link and decides to go into the rabbit hole that is Frostmark. That once they go Frostmark, you can never go back to D and D Five E and not feel disappointed. This is <laughs> this this is a warning and a promise to you.
0: You know, and that was the same thing that was said about 5e and, from Pathfinder, and mm. once I went from Pathfinder to 5e, I have not gone back to Pathfinder, so it's... But I haven't tried Pathfinder 2e yet either, so, you know, there's always that.
1: I, I think there's definitely a balance between increasing the complexity and creating a headache. And mm-hmm. I feel like we've gone a little bit into that territory with Pathfinder.
0: Yeah, yeah. So with Frostmark, mm-hmm. how long did it take to build your world, um, this beautiful world of lore and legend? How how long have you been working on this project?
1: Uh, well, I've had the idea, the basic idea brewing for some time, so I can't really say for certain from that, but when I sat down and really worked on it, um, started the Twitch channel and, and everything, it's been more than three years, you know, half. Yeah, and i mean that also includes all the you know system mechanics and stuff like that but all in all yeah three and a half years and i'm not done yet
0: okay had you uh had you kind of played out any of your world before that but just not had it written down like just homebrewed uh components of it into other games and then you're like you know what i really liked what i did with that game this deserves to be in your current setting
1: I I would say that in the beginning when I sat down and wanted to GM it for my friends it was basically the lore was in a, like a beta version I explored uh, some aspects of it and realized like hey here i want to change things so here i want to expand on things uh but after that initial play test, i actually sat down and wrote down the lore basically what it is and mm-hmm. uh, since then i've just been uh, editing and adding and and polishing since since then so it was kind of <laughs> a done deal from from uh, rather early
0: now is it just you that's been working on this or have you had other uh, former players former gms anything like that helping you in building it or is this just solely your mind child
1: (laughs) i certainly had help along the the way uh, with my lovely community who has helped me with different aspects but it could also be technical or practical or system but you know i have Uh, streamed for a very long time uh, creating Frostmark so whenever somebody joins me in in the Twitch channel I always have a discussion of what I'm doing and I hear their input and um listen to to their critique so Mm. in in some way it has been shaped by the community but it's still very much my my little baby if you could say (laughs) so it's 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 still pure me but uh it has been shaped and some of the rough edges has certainly been polished down for the Mm. by the help of my community
0: the way you talk about it i can easily see by the expressions on your face since we are talking via webcam i can see how much you really enjoyed what you have done and it it comes through on those pages um i do i have it up on my screen off to the side right now and i i've been reading it all morning i've read earlier in the week i've been preparing for this interview and i gotta say i like the lore i love how it's um it seems very nordic um Mm. A little bit, yeah. It it, it to it has an me and...
1: to it, because I also take uh, some uh, inspiration from ancient Greece, ancient Rome, ancient mm-hmm. Egypt. Kind of blends into to ancient Norse as well. So yeah. <laughs> everything is ancient.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, to us, yeah, uh, bygone ages—they're ancient True. to us. So now, when I was reading it, um, mm-hmm. there's no classes per se. You have what's called ability origins yes correct yes
1: um
0: what for those listening what is the difference between your ability origins in the
1: classes um actually um, mechanically they're not that much different from the classes in, in d and I've changed the names, of course, because of trademarks and copyright mm-hmm. issues and I, with everything with Frostmark, I've made sure that it's uh, legal. <laughs> um, but uh, mechanically there's not too much of a difference, but I wanted to rename the classes so you get a mental divide between what a class means in D&D and what an ability origin means in, in Frostmark. Because how you interact with it is is different how you uh create your character level up and advancement later on you interact differently with uh with the ability origins than what you do in in D and mm-hmm. i also feel um a big reason for certain things in frostmark why they are like they are is actually a reaction to how i felt playing D 5e for quite some time and okay. for me i have felt like I've gotten a very video gamey feeling. Uh, I felt like when I create my character the the class kind of labels and define who I am as a person my goals my motivations my profession and uh it has this go to the tavern find the quest giver go out on a quest search for the big boss defeat the big boss get your experience points get the treasure get back to the tavern sell your stuff and search for another quest giver Uh, (laughs) now of course these things can be amended by having a you know a good GM who can mm. work around this video game aspects. But I was thought to myself, why should I um, put up with this? Yeah. Um, and I'm not bashing on DD5e. DD5e is a wonderful system, but I feel like it's geared towards people who need help getting into role-playing games. It's almost like having for me um, an extra pair of wheels on your bicycle when you you learn to 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 bike. Mm um so that's it's a lot of things in frostmark is indeed a reaction to that to make it less video gamey and to make sure there's more freedom and less restriction and less things that define who you are so you can create a character that is truly yours and so you don't have to bend your character concept and your character sheet to the system
0: okay that's that is actually a fantastic answer i i am super surprised by that like when i was reading it i was like this is really well done and that's kind of along the lines of what i was thinking is this is more customizable you're not falling under like oh i'm just a ranger or oh i'm just a paladin you know you can literally make any title you want for your character's background
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, now in That um, in that line of thought, Mm -hmm. you have nine ability scores, you've added three. Yes. Um, Why? (laughs) (laughs)
1: i guess is the Uh, simple
0: answer that people are going to ask is
1: yeah absolutely why uh two reasons for it um one is that i felt with the five ability scores at least how they worded and the complexity of the system that i didn't feel like it represented your character well enough um they are more than one way to be charismatic uh, mm-hmm. when i play a character in D 5e and i feel like i should have some charisma but all the situations i find myself in doesn't necessarily make me feel like my character would be good at this certain charisma role uh, and it's the same thing with intelligence and and wisdom so i i think the way that i've divided them uh expresses your character's talents uh in a more immersive way um by having more ways indeed to be charismatic and more ways to to be intelligent and i've i've had a lot of positive feedback for that um number two is that i also wanted to enforce into the very basic game mechanics in the game itself that uh, combat physical challenges should have the same value as mental challenges, and the same value as social challenges to combat this video gamey feeling sometimes. Because, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> like in my new game that I've started up that has been so fun, Asians Return on Thursdays, where we play in in, in Frostmark's world, I didn't have my first combat until eight episodes in. And nobody complained because we mm-hmm. had such a great time just role playing and dealing with social and mental interactions until then. We only had a combat when it made sense for the story. And I think with the three physical stats you have in d d it kind of feels like the game itself skews towards having combat as a regular thing, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to be. A social interaction could take the place of a combat interaction. So I, I wanted to show that in the fundamental game mechanics of the game.
0: Have you ever uh, played the Game of Thrones role-playing game?
1: Uh, yes, Song of Ice yes. and Fire, that I have.
0: Yeah, I, I have it on my shelf right here, too. Uh, so that's... When you said earlier that that's you know one of the things that you've kind of taken from, uh, I can completely see it just from you saying that it was eight episodes before your first combat because that system is very heavy into role play. Mm. Um, now backgrounds have played a huge part into that, and I see that um, backgrounds in your game, the Frostmark setting play a huge part into the story building
1: oh yeah um i created basically the whole campaign from my four characters backgrounds on on thursdays
0: one of the things uh as i was reading through your little excerpt uh you had kind of like a primer on the kickstarter page to show people what is in the books and everything yeah and i i didn't see much in the way of um the backgrounds there there's a few posts on it but like how have you expanded the backgrounds from say fifth edition to encompass more of that
1: I've actually removed all the things that fifth edition says that you have to do like you have to have an alignment You have to have a bond. You have to have a motivation. I've actually removed that. It's completely freeform So it's only there to inspire you to do whatever you want Basically within the confines of the lore or your gm's restrictions, of course Uh, but where where it really shines and um, Where you have to have fleshed out your backstory for the game itself is that every choice you do when um, in your character creation and your advancement must be in harmony with your backstory and the story told. Mm. So you cannot... In, in Frostmark, we don't really care about min-maxing or optimization. That's not really the question. The question is, is not what makes me the most optimized on the battlefield. The, the right question to ask what makes the most sense with the backstory that I have written or mm-hmm. what makes the most sense t- for me to take when I level up now from what I've been doing this last level. And and that's how it's weaved in into the mechanics.
0: A game for role players over yes. combat mongers.
1: I would definitely say that. It's so easy to uh, create unbalanced characters in Frostmark because I've removed restraints right mm. uh, so it's going to be easier to create bonkers uh, stuff uh, but my, my niche and my goal has never really been to cater to to that uh, group of players, I have definitely wanted to create something that makes you feel more in control of your character, have more customization, so you can create that concept on the paper and then tie mechanics into backstory. So definitely for people who love character creation and narrative. Mm,
0: That's, I can't express how beautiful that is. Like uh, coming from someone who vastly enjoys the role-playing aspect over combat. When I was younger, combat was great. You know, uh, combat every session now that Math i'm getting rocks, older big
1: yeah. yeah
0: now now that i'm getting older i i'm seeing you know just how much more fun the game can be as you s- tell the story as a whole with your players and it's basically writing a novel without writing a novel and, yes yes um
1: that's for sure so
0: one of the things uh, 5e players and a lot of tabletop players over the years have been clamoring for is the metric system instead of Imperial in a tabletop role playing game. I see that you have used that. Um, what I obviously I, I'm assuming the prompt from the communities wanting a more metric system based game uh, pushed you towards this, but what Uh, More so, what brought you to that conclusion over just thinking that publishers would want your imperial system?
1: Yeah, I actually didn't really care (laughs) about what others (laughs) thought when I decided upon that. I I just had the opportunity in front of me of like, hey, I have this great fantasy-based system that is popular, people like it, and it's been tested, it's true, uh, and I can do whatever I want with it to improve it. To, to improve it in my mind, at least. Um, of course, role playing is subjective, and uh, even though we've had a long history in the role playing community, the, the game developing community of, I feel like imperialistic uh, units have been kind of ruling. I, I I feel like for ease of mind, just the 10 based system that the metric has, it just makes things easier. So I. I just removed the headache and uh, made me feel more comfortable when I GM, because, you know, I'm used to, to metric.
0: Mm. Well, that's uh, that's probably the best reason, you know, not yes. caring and <laughs> doing what you want. That's what yeah. most DMs should yeah, be doing. Yeah, with that one,
1: so. I, I did what I wanted.
0: Now, you've changed spellcasting a little bit. It yes. is now based off of souls. Mm-hmm. And from what I saw, it was... Uh, when a creature dies, you uh, you absorb their soul, or how yes. how would you how do you explain it to your players?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh- well, first of all, the, the whole lore is kind of based upon that there are such a thing as souls. The, mm-hmm. the gods are just vast uh, repositories of soul power. And whenever something is born, they're giving a little, um, a little spark of soul power, which gives them their, their consciousness, their will to live. And then that little spark grows with them and swells and becomes colorful and changes shape depending upon which path in their life that that person takes um and more mechanically here uh your cr equals the size of your soul (laughs) okay um And then uh, spellcasting, as it is a, uh, you know, magic is powered by soul power because everything Mm -hmm. else in the world basically has this as a a hidden energy source. Uh, So every spellcaster has a soul mark on their body, which is a glowing, growing tattoo uh, of a design and of a color and where it is is up to you. And it is basically a soul prison where you uh, store the souls that you capture during your, your travels, which is just done with an action, uh, as long as the corpse is not older than six minutes. Mm. And this is actually, not only is it tied to the lore heavily, but it's also meant to be a meta discussion about uh, murder, hoboing. <laughs> because there's, there's a moral question to this. Is it okay to take somebody's soul and use it for spellcasting and I removed all the material components uh, whenever you have a spell that requires material components in D&D and Frostmark means you consume the soul and mm-hmm. consuming a soul means you basically destroy it meaning that that person can never be resurrected and so is that okay or is it a means to an end to defeat something even more evil
0: mm-hmm. so they by using someone's soul you effectively the moral quandary is also you prevent them from entering the domain of a god
1: yes um, absolutely. and
0: passing on to eternal peace probably yes ah uh-huh. that uh yeah that would definitely uh make me stop and think as a pastor uh, <laughs> of any kind yeah you know, yeah Like, is this is it really okay i mean if you're slaying someone who is hypothetically evil uh, yeah. and e- evil is subjective, you know, cuz i mean Very you could be the worst evil in the world and think that your righteous cause is good. Most, um
1: most villains. Yeah, most uh, villains. Uh, yes. Uh
0: so with that it's like Do you punish that effectively makes you judge jury and executioner, you know, you kill them and then you judge their soul by spending it to power your spells, thus destroying them.
1: Uh, yeah yeah yeah, and also in combat because every time you cast a spell that is of uh, first level or higher or uh it's not a ritual cast uh you do a soul check because when you cast a soul you bring out that soul from your soul mark or several souls to use them to power your spells and in that moment the souls have an opportunity to escape from you so you basically Mm. do a concentration check with your spell attack against the dc of the spell and if you fail this you lose one soul at random So through casting spells, you run the risk of losing the ability to cast spells. (laughs) So when you're in combat and you're about to fight for your life or for somebody else's life, or you have to take down this big, bad, evil guy Mm -hmm. and you have a little bit of a morality going that I won't take just anybody's soul. But then you have your fallen friend over there and you need the soul power to kill the thing to protect your other friends, will you? Uh, I, I, I wanted to spice up spellcasting a little bit. Uh, I mean, playing again is is subjective, but when I felt when I played DD, I felt the spellcasting was a little bit flavorless. It, mm-hmm. it was there, it was stable, it was risk free. I just had a number of spell slots per day that I could use and just see if I hit or the saving throw succeeded or not. Um, but, of course, you can go the extreme way that some people have done and, like, introduce corruption or something like that. But I, I yeah. wanted something in the middle. I wanted to add some flavor, some some color to it that it makes spellcasting in Frostmark stand out mm-hmm. and feel different.
0: Um, so, in a way, you kind of took it back to... I don't know if you've ever read uh, the Dragonlance novels. Um, I've heard
1: of them, but never there, had the pleasure.
0: There is a character in there named mm-hmm. Raeslin Majir. Okay. And he is... At the beginning of the novels, he is his constitution is like really bad. Okay, oh. is the basically the way to think about it.
1: Wait, isn't the Dragonland uh, series written from people's role playing experience? Wasn't yes. it the game? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay I know well,
0: it. Well, they role played everything out, and I believe they wrote it into the books. And right. That's how so they
1: meant to create a book from the beginning.
0: Mm-hmm um and Raceland the more he would cast the weaker he would get because it drew off of like his physical energy and he already didn't have an abundance so i i'm not saying like the soul is the same thing it's uh it's akin in the way of you're creating a system where there is a uh, benefit managing another
1: resource yeah a benefit managing. Mm-hmm. but
0: also a double-edged yes. blade in which you could potentially get yourself killed if it failed at the wrong time.
1: Oh, yeah. And, and you know, if you like gambling, this is <laughs> the game for you, because exactly. spellcasting is only gambling. Uh, and to, to counteract that, to balance it, I've uh, turned up the knob a little bit of spellcasting power uh, for, uh, for spellcasters. Not only do you not have a class uh, table with spells... Nor do you have a class table for your spell slots or your spells known. And um, you have a little bit more, more juice because you purchase your, your mm. own spell table in the way that okay. you want to.
0: You also did something with skills uh, mm. that I haven't seen since 3.5 Dungeons and Dragons out of the complete scoundrel. which was you enhance the skill you expanded the skill pools basically you enable the skills to effectively level up with you and branch off into different areas of expertise at least that's the way i read it and i understood it maybe i'm Uh, that's a little bit more
1: advanced what i'm doing i basically just introduced more ranks uh, more shades of gray and okay. a ability to purchase skill points uh, through the system more readily. I, I felt <laughs> very disappointed in, in 5e when I just had my proficiency there and then nothing ever changed, but my mm. ability score from uh, once upon a blue moon, right? Yeah. I, I had this longer d 5e campaign uh, where we had a longer downtime and my character went off and did their profession and i asked my 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 gm hey shouldn't i get better at my profession since i've been doing this for such a long time it's kind of strange that it remains the static value right here and they say well you've got to find a way to get uh double proficiency and I, I I didn't like that, so that's something I took with me when I created uh, Frostmark that I wanted it to be more shades of gray. Uh, we have mm-hmm. rank one to rank five, in in uh, that that changes your proficiency bonus. So you have at rank one proficiency bonus times uh, 0.5 rounded up, and then times one, and then one 1.5, and then times two, and then that special rank of rank five that you still need permission from the game to purchase is 2.5.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that, that that definitely cleared it up for me. Um, if, you, if you're if you listening and you haven't done it yet, please go check out the Kickstarter. It's Frostmark the RPG. Uh, if you have any interest in 5th edition D&D, but with a serious twist, this is the game to look at. Do you have any tips for DMs, GMs, and storytellers out there when it comes to trying to get your works published obviously we mentioned a little bit ago about don't plagiarize don't don't use trademarked items um have you found a way to make those situations easier such as like a resource of this is what's trademarked this isn't you know or is it just learn as you go
1: uh yeah there's definitely some things i've learned on, on my way i've Uh, I didn't know too much about copyright law. Uh, in the beginning and so it was a bit of a journey discovering what it was about as i was um working on it and that was certainly a point of stress (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, so i definitely recommend that uh make yourself familiar with copyright law if you are basing something upon something else because you're going to sleep easier at night and you're going to feel more secure (laughs) with with what you do uh, especially if you don't want to get slap suited um Uh, What else? I also recommend, um, actually, I think I did a really good thing and I started up a Twitch channel early, Uh, but it doesn't have to be, you know, doing a stream. It can be running a blog. uh, It can be just talking with your friends of how it's going or just starting a Discord channel. Create some kind of community from around what you're doing if you have the goal of publishing because marketing is the absolute bane. (laughs) of my existence. Uh, mm. Even I have done all this work for 3 years now. I'm sitting here and regret that I didn't write more or that I didn't talk to other creators more or I wasn't as active on other discord forums or I didn't run more uh, mini adventures to talk to more people because I honestly believe that I got an awesome product but uh, now is the question how do I make other people see my product? Mm. And if you don't have vast amount of money that you can throw at at ads and stuff like that, it, it's actually a a um, a huge hurdle to get over. And I I think the most successful way of marketing is is creating genuine genuine relationships with other people in the community, um,
0: mm.
1: not. Uh, Only, I mean, of course, the player base is super important, but if you want to reach as many people as possible, uh, you know, other people who have their own uh, communities as well. Uh, but it has to be genuine because otherwise, that will shine through. Asking somebody to go and take a look at this little homebrew project that you've been working on for three years and it is super big and expensive and mm. takes on DD 5e, like what I've done, it's not an easy ask. So, form relationships with as many people. Uh, it doesn't matter how how close you are to the finish line, Just just do it. Mm. Those those are my my recommendations.
0: Well, they are good recommendations, especially as um, you know i I've been writing for years and I've wanted to publish. And you know, I've always uh, looked down on my own stuff and like, oh, it's not good enough to actually publish, but it's good enough to throw in my Twitch channel <laughs> for people to use for free. You know that kind of stuff.
1: Your time um, is valuable.
0: I. I I come to understand that the older I get. And uh, I'm glad that you are pursuing this in this fashion. I hope that you succeed. Um, And, you know, like you said, it's an uphill battle. If you don't succeed the first time, try again, try again, try again. Just keep going. And uh, I can't say it enough. Uh, You've been a pleasure to have on here. Thank you. I'm thrilled and excited for this journey and i hope you'll all join me in future adventures i'm roy the intrepid dm and i wanted to thank my guest rebecca uh also known as bexy chillin yeah. correct
1: yeah i mean it's a pun of my last name <laughs>
0: <laughs> rebecca why don't you take a chance uh-huh. tell everyone out there what you're working on what the current projects are the phases that you're in Mm -hmm. and where else they can find you out on social media or streaming services. That way we can help promote you.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Um, all right. I'm just this very passionate little Swedish girl who's been working on this D&D 5e overhaul with a vast original setting aimed for you that loves character customization and narrative. And um, I basic, I have a Kickstarter going and I only have monster conversion and formatting left to do. There's playtest material uh, out there already that you can find uh, in my Discord channel, uh, which which is Frostmark rpg where you can use immediately right now and just start playing if you want to i also run um rather um often mini adventures you can just jump into it and and play with me i also stream at bexy shillin uh where i stream all my games and also sometimes i sit down and and work on it so if you want to critique or ask some questions or give your input then please do so in my in my chat
0: and what uh, what time frame can they expect to find you on Twitch to uh, catch you streaming?
1: Uh, Well, since I'm European, <laughs> it's such European time, uh, but I, I try to stream as much as possible during the evening, so at least catch Americans during their lunch time. Mm. So if you ever have a lunch over, then I'm probably streaming
0: well i will definitely try and jump in because that's generally right when i take lunches around noon so yeah,
1: yeah, if come, you're if you're going your around
0: 7 p.m central time or 7 p.m eastern european time that's noon central time for those listening um thank you thank you thank you for joining me i couldn't have asked for a better guest today uh it's just been such a honor having you on uh, thank you i've I've only got one thing left to say, and that's be intrepid and journey on, friends.
1: Stay frosty, is what I say.
0: Have a good evening, and I'll see you in a couple weeks on the next episode of the Intrepid DM Journeys. Have a great night. Well, this was another awesome episode. Join me every other Wednesday when the chapters of the Intrepid DM Journeys drops on various platforms the next chapter will feature sir squaring another amazing dm so join us next time and if you enjoyed the show please leave a review or subscribe to get the newest chapters when they release if you're looking for other content that will wet your palate then please check out twistmyarmpodcast.net for more information on myself and the other talented podcasters from the twist my arm network. Take a listen to sudden, but inevitable with host Jesse or best flicks with Ricky D or quest me with host Josh and MCM with host Jeremy. I'm thrilled and excited for this journey. And I hope you'll join me next time on the newest adventure. I'm Roy, the intrepid DM and I wanted to give a great personal thanks to my guest Bexie Chillin' Disclaimer The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Intrepid DM Journeys podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the Twist My Arm Network and its other content creators.